Hey, this morning, if you didn't catch it, if you came into services a little late, I am going to talk about a what can be a sensitive topic um, this morning. Uh, it's sex. And I got to tell you, I've been nervous about it all weekend, but I wanted to give you a heads up. If you have a child here in services, a student that you don't, ah, you don't want them to be hear this, then it's going to be PG-14, um, and I'm being a little generous, maybe PG-13, um, but I just want you to have a heads up so you don't leave thinking, jeez, that guy, he, oh, I'm so upset. Now we have to have that talk today at lunch. Uh, so anyways, with that, uh, it is a sensitive issue. Last night, I took, shared my outline with my wife. I said, I've got to run this by you. Is, is there anything here that you're like, don't do that? And there were a few, don't do that. So I deleted those. And uh, then she said, because we've been in the Song of Songs, which is this romantic book in the Old Testament written by Solomon. And uh, she reminded me, she said, do you know, we set a goal on our honeymoon, the first night of our honeymoon, to read through the Song of Songs. I was like, are you serious? I did not remember that. She said, oh, we didn't do it. I was like, really? Oh, okay. So I didn't follow up with any question. But it, it's a beautiful romantic book that captures uh, the memories that a couple in their golden years is looking back and remembering what made their relationship romantic. And so today's message, while it it is married specific, I am intentional on every point to actually give some directions, some instructions to singles. Uh, if you're hoping to get married someday, or uh, maybe if you want to avoid it, <laughs> this is a, I'll help you with that too in some way. Um, just to kind of break the ice, again, I was nervous. I've been nervous for a couple days related to this topic. I get Fridays off, and my Friday wasn't that great. Saturday wasn't that great. I got up uber early this morning making certain that this was ready uh, because it, there's so many sensitive issues around it. Uh, one is all my sons were in the first service, uh, and the second is my mom and stepdad are in this service. That makes me a little nervous. But uh, no, there's, there's hurt uh, around this issue. And uh, there's disappointment, and at the same time, there's hope. I like this conversation I read about. This, uh, this fella wasn't feeling well. He went to the doctor uh, for some sort of diagnosis, and the doctor told him, hey, I hate to tell you this, but you're, uh, you're going to die. You're terminal. In fact, you've got just about 15 hours uh, to live. 15 hours? Are you serious? Yeah, 15 hours. And so he he and his wife uh, left the hospital, weepy, went home, prayed, <laughs> cried, uh, 15 hours. And then he looked at his wife and said, hey, <laughs> I've got 15 hours. What about you and I having a romantic evening, you know, having sex together? And uh, <laughs> she said, sure, uh, very understandable. So they had an intimate time together, and then three hours passed, four, five, and uh, he looked at his clock. He's like, wow, I got eight hours uh, hate to hate to bugger again, but I'm gonna. I'm just so he he uh, said. I know this is asking a lot, but could we spend? A, I've just got eight hours. Could we have another time of special memory for us and sex? That is. And she said, "Sure, I can understand. I mean, you got eight hours." And they she went to sleep, uh, and he couldn't get to sleep for reasons understandable. And then he was within three hours. Now, it's uh, late in the night, early in the morning, 
And he reaches over and taps her on the shoulder. <laughs> he says, I know, I know I've been asking a lot. Is it possible we could be intimate one more time? And she said, you know what? <laughs> We've already been together twice. <laughs> Three times is right now. It's just more than I can handle. Listen, I've got to get up for work early in the morning, and you get to sleep in. <laughs> All right. Did much better in the first service, but whatever. <laughs> All right. Okay. What I want to, I want to make a couple statements. One is that I believe that uh, there is evil in our world. I believe there is an evil one, that uh, there is evil influence that carries out just unspeakable uh, hijacking of this gift of sex. Uh, and it's for that reason that I want to talk about this subject matter. And uh, I believe that it's sex has been hijacked uh, by evil. And I believe God is the creator, the owner of a healthy marriage and family life. And sex is very much a part of that. And what I want to convey more than anything else today is that if you're if you've got, if you're stuck in some area of this topic, that there's freedom for you. That if anyone is uh, feeling like a slave in any area of their sexual life, that Jesus desires to give you freedom. I mean, really, that's what Christ gives. Freedom from all the things that get us stuck. Whether something was done to you, whether you have a habit you're struggling to kick, whether in your mind you're struggling with issues, uh, whether in your own marriage relationship or as a single, if you're struggling with issues, the gospel's hope is to set you free, uh, to give you total freedom. And uh, that's my hope. In, in John chapter 8, I think it's verse 36, Jesus says to a crowd that was, um, that was struggling with their own lifestyles, he says, hey, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. And that that is so important. As you look at your life, your sexual life, that you view yourself as uh, God's child completely, if you're in Christ, forgiven, completely new, and uh, his goal is to set you free. Uh, that's how I want to begin. I want to end with, uh, with that hope that you'll be free, new, and even encouraged in this area. What I want to start by saying is that God, uh, great sex is a gift from God. Uh, great sex is a gift from God, and it starts uh, way before the bedroom. Turn to chapter 4 in the Song of Songs. And I got to tell you, this uh, chapter, I think it's on page 469 or 470 in your Adventure Bibles. If you want to take out your smartphone, just Google Song of Songs uh, 4. It'll come up. You pick the translation you want to use. Uh, but what we learn about this is that sex starts before the bedroom. This is a honeymoon scene, actually. Uh, we're not going to do all of it. In fact, a great commentator, F.F. F. Bruce, if you've ever read any of his prolific writings, he argues that this shouldn't be taught in public. So there actually are some sections I'm going to skip, and you can uh, do your exhaustive study later in those. Uh, verse 1, here it is. Uh, sex starts before the bedroom. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Does that work for you this morning, ladies? Your hair is like a flock of goats. <laughs> Descending from Mount Gilead, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from the washing. Each of it 
has its twin. Not one of them is alone. Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the, the halves of a pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David built with elegance. Okay? Back in the day, this was some crazy romantic language. <laughs> uh, what I want to begin with is just a, this observation. Solomon understood that romance happens way before the bedroom. That romance very much is generated by our words and our conduct way before uh, you're in the bedroom. Uh, it's, uh, it's, and sometimes we, we men don't discover this, you know, till maybe our 25th anniversary. Uh, but this is, this is marksmanship uh, as, as it relates to really affirming in your spouse. That's what he's doing. He's affirming her. He's letting her know, your hair, it's, uh, it's, it's got Vidal Sassoon all over it. Uh, you're, he's comparing her hair to what was known in uh, this era. This is about the 10th century B.C. during the reign of Solomon, which started in 970 uh, through 930. Uh, in that era, the, the goats of Gilead were known as being black and uh, beautiful, just a beautiful coat on them, and he's letting her know, you have got gorgeous hair. Fellas, when's the last time you said to your bride, your hair, wow, love it. Okay? Uh, you, you, when's the last time? You don't necessarily need to say, hey, babes, that's a flock of goats I've never seen before. It's not what I'm talking about. But when's the last time you, you just affirmed her hair? And then he says, hey, he says, maybe you can read with me here. He says, your teeth are like a, like a flock of sheep just shorn uh, coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. <laughs> uh, not one of them is alone. What a compliment. This might be something you want, well, I want to use this afternoon. Babes, you have teeth. <laughs> You've got teeth. <laughs> And there's a twin. There's one on each side. Uh, he's being gracious. I mean, this is pre-orthodontics, pre-modern dentistry. And uh, he's simply affirming, hey, uh, I love that smile. I love what I see. He's being very flattering. And he's not just affirming her orally. He's also touching her in a very non-sensual way. In verse uh, 4, he says, your neck is like the Tower of David. Uh, and let me back up, verse 3, your lips are like a scarlet ribbon, your mouth is lovely, your temples behind your veil are like halves of a pomegranate. <laughs> That's kind of cool, if you like pomegranates. Uh, he's caressing her, he's touching her. In a very non-self-aware uh, way, he's reaching out, loving her and touching her appropriately, and I just want to pause here for a moment, because you might hear that and think, a flock of goats, uh, twin teeth, uh, pomegranate, what's he saying? He's saying, as busy as you are, and as stressed out as you are, with the person whom you love, are you taking time to affirm her beauty? Uh, are you taking time to say, hey, I think you're amazing. Uh, I love your hair. I love your eyes. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're like doves. Uh, now, if you try that line this afternoon, it might, eh. Uh, I, I love your face. When's the last time you reached out and, and literally touched 
your wife's face in a, in, in a very um, non-sensual um, way, but just to touch her and let her know how beautiful she is to you. Uh, ladies, let's pick on you a little bit. When's the last time you, you uh, told your husband, hey, you know what? I think you're so handsome. <laughs> really. My wife tells me that a lot, and I'm like, yeah, you are. I, I, I appreciate it, but whatever. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, how many of you guys, how many of you guys hear from your wife that you look like some sort of actor? How many of you, you guys hear that from your spouse? Just raise your hand, fellas. Let's, just one person. Please don't leave me hanging. There we go. Dan Dice, my man right there. Yeah. Anybody else? Any other you guys hear that? Okay, how many of you, wow, lonely place to be here, bro. We got one, good. Mike, Michael, okay, good. Okay. I just wonder if several of us are supposed to look like the same actor sometimes. I was like, how many wives all tell their spouse, well, you look like this guy or that one. So maybe we can get together and compare notes. But when's the last time you told your husband, ladies, how attractive he is to you? Uh, just orally, um, what you like about him, um, just appreciating him, or reached out and touched him. Now, when you reach out and touch a guy, ladies, you got uh, you to be very, you got to touch an area that doesn't get stimulated. I highly recommend the heel. If you reach down and grab the heel, it's a pretty safe place. Um, if you grab us by our ear and kind of pull it down, very safe, uh, very safe place for you. Or uh, I think sometimes just giving us an elbow uh, is safe. But when's the last time you reached out and touched in a non-sensual way? Uh, here, we learn great sex starts way before the bedroom. It's in your ability to uh, affirm and to, uh, to touch in a non-sensual way. Now, singles, okay, just in case you felt totally left out. What do you do if you're single and uh, you're, not, you're regretting being in this service, for one, but you're wondering, okay, where's the place for affirmation for me? And let me tell you, being single, you want to learn to communicate with the opposite sex. And you want to learn to actually affirm and, and capture in other singles or marrieds appropriately, uh, not beauty. You don't want to get in the habit of, as a single, you know, telling someone they're a hottie all the time. That's not, that doesn't advance your cause, okay, <laughs> being single. Uh, it doesn't help others either. You want to instead affirm character qualities. You want to affirm stuff like, hey, the way you led that meeting ridiculous. Great job. Your organization, amazing. Uh, your ability to think on your feet, I don't see how you do it. Your ability to look at numbers uh, is, is off the charts. You affirm character, discipline, kindness. Uh, that's a great practice for singles. Agreed? You, you don't get into the all the, you know, your eyes are like doves or your ears are like whatever. Uh, you affirm character. That's for you, and learn to, do, learn to do the small talk. It's really important, uh, especially if you're not a talker, because <laughs> someday you're going to probably be married to someone that actually likes to say more than five or ten words in a week, and you want to practice uh, that. Um, I have a couple of those in my home, or just one that's that way. Uh, we talked uh, in early uh, 2016. Anyways, it's, you want to practice. Great sex starts before the bedroom. It's... it's uh, it's affirming. It's appropriate touching. Uh, secondly, great sex is tender. It's tender. Look at this. This is one of the harder verses for me to read this morning, but I'm just going to jump right on in it. Um, your two breasts 
are like two fawns, uh, like twin fawns of a gazelle. Uh, I left Southern California and went to college in the Midwest and got exposed to a lot of hunting, dove hunting, quail hunting, pheasant hunting, and deer hunting. That deer is a, another word for fawn. And I remember when, when September, October was coming, what's everyone getting ready for? Any help? Deer hunting season, right? So the question was, you got your deer tag? You got your deer tag? We're going hunting. And uh, usually you'd have chewing tobacco and cowboy boots and you're 30-30 in your truck. And uh, I'll never forget some of my friends that were up in the northwest, the Wisconsin area. Some of you are from up there. It's no joke during hunting season. I don't know if it's legal anymore. Guys or gals would go out and get their trophy deer. They would put that trophy deer on the hood of their car, drive it around the city square, just bragging. Got my deer, got my deer. And whatever, I'm not trying to make a judgment on that or not. Back then, I thought it was kind of cool, but I was in the Midwest. In NorCal, not going to fly. you going to the police for that. But anyways, but my point is that there is this kind of, kind of conquering mentality, right? Got your tags? You're going deer hunting. What are you getting? I got a buck. You know, whatever. My point is this. Solomon's trying to teach the men, hey, don't treat women like deer hunts, okay? You're not deer hunting. <laughs> You're to be gentle. Uh, I know sometimes in my home with my wife, I'll be um, playfully uh, aggressive. She doesn't always really like it. You know, I think it's kind of funny. She's not like turned on. She likes the gentle approach, okay? And uh, so when you're with ladies, fellas, it's gentleness. It's tenderness. It's, it's what Jesus said. It's uh, meekness. Uh, Anne Solomon wrote, gentleness, uh, softness. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Gentleness always wins. In arguments, in conflict, gentleness always wins. Being slow to speak, slow to become anger, angry, quick to listen, it always wins. And uh, let the, the deer hunting desires set them aside, the fawn hunting desires. Am I being clear without saying too much? Okay, good. The other thing is, this is for you ladies. Uh, hey, don't make your fawns the point of attraction for you, okay? <laughs> make your character. Was that clear? Uh, make your character the point of attraction for you, your godliness, your Christ-likeness, because um, uh, it can be unnecessarily distracting and can put you in a losing situation where uh, you're just attracting a deer hunter. You don't want a deer hunter. They don't, uh, they don't brush their teeth. All right, whatever. Okay, great, great sex is tender. Um, and uh, singles, I'm telling you, one more thing for singles. Don't be distracted by fawns. Look for God-fearing character. Um, very, very important. Uh, I remember watching my wife uh, one summer. We were traveling together, and we were just kind of getting to know each other, and she liked this other guy. Um, he was taller than I am, smarter than I am. Um, I was just a better athlete. Still am. It's nothing personal. <laughs> And uh, we, were, we comp competed, actually. But uh, she really loved him. And they were corresponding. And I remember she had sent him a couple notes. And at that point, I was just serving as a counselor for my wife. And she, she indicated, no, he's not writing back. And I was like, oh, I'm so ha sorry to hear that. Uh, but she was, she was handling uh, him very appropriately. Good boundaries, not rushing anything. Um, she wasn't, you know, they were, had no relationship outside of just a friendship. 
I liked the way she handled him. And uh, it, it impressed me. And we're actually friends with him uh, to this day. Uh, great sex is tender. Thirdly, great sex is passionate. Check this out. He says in the following verse, Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of uh, incense. Uh, until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Uh, what he's saying is, uh, we're going to spend the whole night together. What was that song, I think, in the 80s? All night long? All night long. Yeah, they're not playing, you know, Risk or Monopoly all night long. This is Twister. They're having a great time together, and it's passionate. And I wonder sometimes, what happened to that passion, even in our marriage or the marriages of others? What happens where all of a sudden we get married and, wow, it's just uh, one task to another, and we don't pursue that passion anymore. And let me, let me suggest a few things. <laughs> Life, <laughs> stress, kids, um, jobs, <laughs> workloads that, are, that are start Sunday night and end Saturday morning. How many of you can relate to that? I mean, that's the pressure we're under. And so the idea of having passion for anything else except a long nap <laughs> and maybe a book and, and maybe, a, maybe an episode or 10 of Downton Abbey, I mean, you're just shot, right? How do you keep that passion? And uh, I think it's those little things. How do you, same thing in any relationship, you got to do those little things again. And uh, this can mean uh, note writing. <laughs> When's the last time... You, you wrote a note to your spouse and said, hey, just thinking of you this week. Just, uh, you've been on my mind. Or in the middle of the day, text your spouse. Just uh, maybe a little kiss uh, or a, uh, maybe a, a smile or thinking of you. How many of you do that with your spouse? Text during the day. It's awesome. Look at that. Or maybe you just show up at a meeting. Uh, my wife did this to me twice this week. I had two meetings she knew about. She just showed up. I was like, what, what are you doing here? She goes, I just came to be with you. I'm like, with me? Yes. For, just for 10 minutes. I was like, I get 10 minutes with you? Oh, thank you. I, was, I wasn't being sarcastic. And then she showed up at another meeting. I was like, wow. Uh, and just showing up. Uh, sometimes I like to show up, and uh, I am bragging here. I bring her coffee in the middle of the day, sometimes at Intercom. Just surprise her. I did it once in early 2001, and again, uh, just kidding. I try to do it pretty frequently. <laughs> uh, just that stuff creates passion, um, those little things. Let me just ask you, when's the, when's the last time you've done something that was unexpected for your spouse? Something that, wow, I did not see that coming. Uh-uh. Uh, that created a little bit more energy. Hey, how about this? When's the last time you took a three-day weekend and got away together? They say that should happen once or twice a year. I think we have to have those scenery changes. You've got to unplug and get out of your house and go away. Uh, and if you can't afford a three-day weekend, how about, how about $30? How about just go wine tasting? How about go down to Clarksburg? It's 25 minutes. You can go after services. Uh, he, how about, how about just heading up to Amador or Lodi? It, it doesn't have to cost that much and just being together. Singles, how do, you, how do you or do you want to get passion going in your life? I think as a single, you want to really stoke and fuel your passion for Jesus. Really. I know that sounds trite. You've heard it before. No, I don't think it is. If we 
as singles, put our passion and our love in following Jesus. We devote ourselves to his word. We devote ourselves to prayer. We trust him to provide. The scripture says, seek ye first in his kingdom and all these things. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be provided for you. Pursue that kind of independent spirit with you and the Lord and trust him to provide. Great sex is, uh, is, starts way before the bedroom. It's tender. It's passionate. Fourthly, probably the most sensitive here is it's built on trust. You've got to have a trust relationship. Look at how uh, he is affirming her. He says, um, all beautiful you are, uh, my darling, there is no flaw in you. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Thank you, Naomi, for that slide. Uh, he is affirming, hey, you're the gal for me. <laughs> you're the one. You're the one I look at. You're the one I'm so attracted to. You're perfect for me. And remember, she had issues. Does anyone, just trivia, does anyone remember what her insecurity was? What was it? Virginia? Her skin color. And someone else. Is that, is that what you were thinking? She was embarrassed that she was so dark. Uh, it was a cosmetic uh, stigma to be dark because it looked like you were out in the sun toiling unnecessarily for somebody else. And she was. She was toiling for her brothers who were angry with her and put her to work on their vineyards at the negligence of her own. And so it was an insecurity for her. Fellas, when's the last time you, you've perhaps been married long enough? You know your wife's insecurities. When's the last time you told her how, uh, how beautiful and perfect she is to you? Whatever it is. Uh, whatever she's insecure about, that you said, you know what, I just love that. I love that piece about you. It's, it's, it's endearing to me. And uh, I would share some of my wife's with you, but I did probably be my last message here at Adventure. But I just adore every piece of her, every part of her. We need to do that. And ladies, you have a very unique role with your husbands. Uh, he committed a very big trust when a pastor like myself asked him, will you take this woman to be your wife, to have him to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health, until you're parted by death? If so, signify by saying, I will. When you said, I will, ladies, he was trusting you. He was trusting you to be the, the well, the cistern that satisfied all of his sexual desires. And uh, with a mutual understanding that uh, they are mutually beneficial and that uh, appropriate, but you're his protection. And I just want to encourage you, if you have had uh, some wounds and uh, this is a sensitive issue for you, I, I don't want you to leave without knowing that you, if, if you put him off and, and, and don't allow him to come to you for the kind of um, healing and sexual satisfaction that God made him for, you could be putting him in a very easily tempted position. And you don't want to do that. Not only temptable, but you can also put him in a position where he doesn't feel like a man. <laughs> you don't want to do that to him. And uh, you, want to, you, want to, you want him to feel like the man God made him to be. And that means your body you view is not your own. <laughs> These are the words of Paul. It belongs to your spouse. And uh, your spouse's body isn't his or her own. It belongs to you. <laughs> How many of you are just glad that you came today to hear that particular scripture? 
Yeah, yeah, amen, Michael. It, it's, it's true. And uh, normally, in my home, most of the pressure's on my wife, okay? Uh, that her body belongs to me. Normally, she's not saying, hey, that body's mine to me. I mean, I don't feel that kind of pressure normally. When it happens, it's a glorious moment. But, uh, <laughs> it, but she, she, is, she is the place I go. My sister, as Solomon says, go to your own sister in your own will. Why should anyone else share your cistern? And so, wives, you want to be committed to guarding your husband's heart and uh, being his, his partner in sexual intimacy. You'll protect him. You'll help him become uh, what he was created to be. Now, if you're single, and we're talking about building trust here, uh, I, again, would encourage you to, um, to verbally affirm Christ-like character when you observe it. Uh, I want to read this just like I wrote it. Uh, As it relates to building trust with others, affirm love, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control in others. When you sense insecurity, affirm dignity and value in others. So here's this desire. Here's this emotional need, and he trusts you. Uh, You're the only one that can legitimately meet that need, wives. It's incredibly important that you continue to do so. Great sex starts before the bedroom. It is tender. It is passionate. Great sex is built on absolute trust. And number five, great sex is sensuous. Listen to this language. In chapter four, uh, he says, you have stolen my heart. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume than any spice. Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride, milk and honey, and under your tongue, the fragrance of your garments is like that of Lebanon. How do you add some sensuality to your relationship? Well, let's start with the guys. Guys, I think we've got to remember our wives need atmosphere. And so candles, this kind of stuff works. Um, flowers, or just a flower, they don't care. Twelve or one, you can save some money. One makes as much of an impact as twelve. Uh, atmosphere, like uh, going on wine tasting. I've noticed sometimes taking my wife uh, antique shopping can just do miracles in our relationship. The key is I have to think everything's cute. And maybe fake a tear left and right. <laughs> Uh, and it just melts her heart, and all of a sudden she is uh, she notices me a little bit more. But you've got to work on atmosphere. Um, sometimes a bed and breakfast can be a great place to get away because often they don't have social media access, no internet. You have to sit down and just be together, not work. Just enjoy maybe an English garden off to the side or uh, enjoy a nice walk together. Set the pace. Ladies, I think your job is easier here than ours. Really, all you have to do to create a little sensuality in our lives is give us a look. It's simple. I don't know what the look is because that's, I'm not, but just you give us a look and we know, oh my word, it's game time. Uh, We're thrilled, yeah. Or sometimes you'll even just wear, you'll be in an outfit or something, you'll walk right by us and, uh, whoa, to put that on unless you are serious. Don't. Uh, no, it doesn't take much to get our attention. You can do that and do it well. Now, singles, I'm not trying to challenge you today 
to uh, being sensual at all. I want you to be, uh, I want you to try to control your senses. I want you to try to control your flesh. The scriptures even talk about really um, disciplining our flesh. How do you do that? How do you control your sensuality? And I think there are a few things. I think one thing you got to do is guard your mind uh, from the music you listen to, the shows you watch, uh, the books you read especially. Uh, all that stuff will help keep your mind guarded from over-centralizing any relationship you're in. You want to be abstinent um, with, the, with the strength God gives you. <clears throat> that uh, it's, A lot of it is in the mind. And be careful about you, who you hang out with. I think you got to guard that as well. Finally, um, great sex is holy. Great sex is holy. This is the place I want to end at, and it'll be brief. In verse 12, Solomon says, You are a garden locked up, my sister and my bride. And uh, this is, the rest of this section is, uh, is kind of off limits, I think, on a Sunday morning. But the point that Solomon's writing is that he and his bride, his woman, were experiencing a one-time moment together. She was a virgin. Uh, this, is, this was the decision she made to save herself for her husband. And uh, like I did at first service, if any of you are here and you're, you're, uh, you're single, whether you're in your 50s or 60s or you're in your 40s or 30s or you're a teenager and you've never been sexually active, you've never had sexual intercourse, you're a virgin. And I want to congratulate you. It's a great place to be uh, because virginity is something you get, you just get one shot at, really. It's, uh, it's a very special place to be. And some of you might feel more awkward right now than you ever have in your life, and I apologize for that. But I didn't want to just overlook this. Uh, it's important that you know that the goal for young people is that your first sexual experiment is on your uh, your first sexual intercourse is on your wedding day. And don't be afraid to set that as a goal. <laughs> um, by God's grace alone. <laughs> be careful about being overly um, committed to it if uh, you're relying on your own strength. You want to rely on God's strength. And I see my wife just got up and moved towards me. Did I say something inaccurate there? Good. I'm glad. Whoa. Uh, I've shared with the congregation in the past that I struggled with purity as a teenager. And when I was 18 years old, I was so grateful. I made a decision to turn my back on any sort of temptation that might take me the wrong way and go a different direction. And uh, it changed my whole life. I'm not kidding. Changed everything. And if you're at a spot in your life where you want to make that kind of commitment, maybe today is the day you do it. Uh, commitment towards purity until your wedding day. Uh, it's a decision you get to make, and it's a decision you own. I also want to caution parents, hey, uh, we teach our kids what to do. We do whatever we can to protect them, to be engaged in their life. But eventually, they've got to make their own decision. They've got to own it. And uh, that's, that's part of the parenting in the next phase. Uh, as we close today, I want to end by kind of providing a little more healing. And it comes from Hebrews chapter 9, where... Uh, the author reminds us that there was one sacrifice that has made perfect forever uh, those who are being made holy. And if you're a Christian, you are enjoying the once-for-all sacrifice that Jesus made for all of your sins. And today may have been an unfortunate, maybe painful reminder of, hey, yeah, I didn't do things like I would have wanted to. Let me tell you something. Uh, neither did I. 
And yet, when I look at that cross, I'm reminded that I still walk as a child of God, forgiven, perfect, and with him. And uh, I hope that you're able to get over how anyone treated you or mistakes you made, uh, and you get to enjoy the perfection that Jesus Christ gives you. That's once for all. It's not repeated. It's once for all from him. And with that, there's also an agreement that he makes, that those who are being made holy, he's working in our lives this freedom so that issues like sex, which are so sensitive, can be issues that we can have a lot of victory in and a lot of freedom. Um, That's my hope for you. A lot of freedom, a lot of victory uh, because of what Christ did. None of us are perfect, um, and we need Christ. If you've never made a decision to say, you know what? I didn't understand that Jesus died on the cross for all of my sin, past, present, and future, that he makes me perfect. I'm a child of God. I want that in my life. If you want to make that decision today, I want to lead you in a prayer. And others of you, maybe just that you would, maybe your take home is, we need to get away (laughs) as a couple. Or maybe as a single, you're saying, you know what? I need to learn to talk to gals, or I need to learn to talk to guys. Uh, Whatever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for friends with whom we can look at the scriptures and get a sense of how your Holy Spirit's leading us. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to trust in Jesus' perfect sacrifice for all of your sins, I just want to challenge you right from where you're seated to say, Jesus, I accept your sacrifice for my sins, all of them. I want to be perfect in your eyes. If you just prayed that prayer with me, I'd like to acknowledge your decision. Would you just raise your hand from where you're seated? Anyone say, yeah, that's me. I want that decision today. Anyone? Raise your hand. Anyone? Okay. Others of you may be saying, you know what? My wife and I, we need to get away. We are working too much. (laughs) If that's you, why don't you just say, Lord, please lead us to a weekend of space alone together. And if you're here and you're single, and somehow this message touched you, uh, and you want to make a commitment to, before God, by his strength, to save your virginity for your honeymoon, I challenge you right from where you're seated, just to say, God, by your grace alone, help me wait. Help me wait. Amen.